Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and so glad that you are taking time to listen to this information. And we are talking about mental illness this week, and are we actually helping the one we love? And what that really looks like and how we do that. And so yesterday we talked a lot about the stigma of mental illness, how God views mental illness, how difficult it is to have one, and the feelings that come with loving someone with a mental illness. And if you are the one with a mental illness, it's also imperative, as we've talked on this, sh- on this show many for years, about relationship with self. And so just as the people that are loving us need to accept and love and forgive, we need to do that for ourselves as well. And as they are having patience with us, we need to have patience with ourselves. So I like to start just today with this beautiful story of the Good Samaritan, because it really is one of the best examples of how to really help someone. And so I'm going to read you the story first. This is uh, the voice that I, I really enjoy this version. And it is chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Excuse me, and it says, Just then, a scholar of the Hebrew Scriptures tried to trap Jesus. And he said, Teacher, what must I do to experience the eternal life? And Jesus, answering with a question, he says, What is written in the Hebrew Scriptures? How do you interpret their answer to the question? And the scholar said, Well, you shall love the eternal one, your God, with everything you have, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, perfect. Your answer is correct. Follow these commands and you will live. And the scholar was frustrated by this response because he was hoping to make himself appear smarter than Jesus. How many times do we think sometimes we might be smarter than God and think that we know better than what God is doing. And so we all can fall. We can all fall into that at different times. So the scholar said to Jesus, trying to look smarter, he said, ah, but who is my neighbor? And Jesus, instead of answering, told a story. And he said, well, this fellow was traveling down from Jerusalem to Jericho when some robbers mugged him. They took his clothes, beat him to a pulp, left him naked and bleeding in critical condition. By chance, a priest was going down the same road, and when he saw the wounded man, he crossed over to the other side and passed by. Then a Levite, who was on his way to assist in the temple, also came and saw the victim lying there, and he too kept his distance. Then a despised Samaritan, See, the Samaritans were a truly rejected people. They were considered like the scum of the culture. And so it says, and then a despised Samaritan journeyed by. 
And when he saw the fellow, he felt compassion for him. The Samaritan went over to him, and he stopped the bleeding. He applied some first aid, put the poor fellow on his donkey, brought the man to an inn, cared for him through the night. The next day, the Samaritan took out some money, two days' wages to be exact, and paid the innkeeper, saying, Please take care of this fellow, and if it isn't enough, I'll repay you the next time I pass through. So which of these three proved himself a neighbor to the man who had been mugged by the robbers? And the scholar said, the one who showed mercy to him. And Jesus said, well then, go and behave like that Samaritan. So let's look at this in a little bit more detail. Because this is truly what God is telling us about all of our friends and neighbors and family and loved ones. And anyone struggling with a mental illness, and certainly a physical illness, but with a mental illness, God is saying, well, then go and behave like that Samaritan. So what does that really look like? Well, this is really important because when we are, when we are loving people, especially people that are struggling, we can fall into exhaustion and, and maybe struggle with good boundaries, right? And maybe we might even get a little codependent, or a lot codependent, maybe we may become abandoning, angry, frustrated, discouraged, all these very difficult feelings that can be evoked in us when we are loving someone with, with a very difficult prognosis and one that is probably enduring and is probably not necessarily going away. So, how do we behave like the Samaritan? Well, first, let's look at what he did. The first thing he did, he noticed and he stopped. He stopped. He's the only one that stopped. These other ones were arrogant, selfish, whatever, uh, condescending. They pretended like they didn't see it, and they even distanced themselves from it. So when we are loving someone with a mental illness, sometimes our first response is to look the other way, pretend like we don't see it, and even distance ourselves from it. So the Samaritan firstly noticed, and he actually stopped. Second thing he did, he cared. He simply cared. He actually cared. And so many times it's hard for us to care because when we care and it doesn't seem to change the situation, then we get discouraged. And we want to stop caring because it's too exhausting to keep caring. So as we look farther down through the story, you're going to see how the Samaritan managed being able to appropriately care. So he cared, and then the third thing, he did not judge. He didn't judge how this man got into this predicament. He just simply cared. He didn't judge him. And then he valued him. He valued this life. So when we are dealing with some that, it, that is struggling with things like mental illnesses and addictions and the predicaments that they might get themselves into, right? We don't judge them. That's really God's position. It is not ours to judge. Now, we can judge behaviors as to whether or not they're helpful or healthy, but we don't judge the person. Because once we start judging a person, their value starts to drop, Right? If we are judgmental, then the way that we value someone is based on 
what our judgment of their behavior or their outcomes or their appearance or their thinking or their education, whatever that may be, we begin to then manage how valuable they are based on what they do, who they know, how we feel when we're with them. But see, the Samaritan did not judge him. He just valued this life. He said, regardless of how this person got themselves in this predicament, he's a valuable soul. Now, you remember, the, 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 the Samaritan was despised. And so this gentleman as well, the one lying on the side of the road, was despised. See, the others ignored him, despised him, and walked on. So the Samaritan, though, what he did as he valued this poor soul and didn't despise him, as he has known what it felt like to be despised, he had realistic expectations on himself and the one who was sick. And so the first thing the Samaritan did was cover him. He covered him up. He was naked. He was naked and wounded. And he was exposed to everybody that was walking by. And so one of the things that's so beautiful about what Christ does is he covers us. He covers so it's imperative, and we're going to talk later on in the week about some codependency and what that looks like, because we have to know the difference between enabling or denial, codependency, and actually covering. Because we don't want to cover and then have it turn into codependency, which is more enabling, right? So this Samaritan had realistic expectations on himself. He didn't think he was a doctor. And he, and he covered the person that was sick. He was a good neighbor. He gave him mercy, and he did no harm. He was a good neighbor. He knew what he was. He was a businessman, so he wasn't a doctor. So as we look forward in the, in the story here, what do we see that, that he did? He took him to an inn. He paid for two days' wages. And then he went on. He left. He didn't stay. He didn't, it didn't hijack his life. He still had to go to work. And so he said, listen, hey, here's some money to take care of him. And if you need more on my way back through, I'll check in and see how he's doing. So I need to know where I end and you begin. What do I have control over and what must I accept and respect? So being aware and responsible for my own well-being is imperative if I'm actually going to truly love the one that is struggling. And being responsible for my own feelings and actions and intentions. So knowing who I am and knowing who the other is. And knowing where I end and that other person begins. And so this Samaritan knew very well where he ended. His ending was... I can cover him, I can put him on my donkey, carry him to an inn, I can afford to pay two days' wages, and that's where, that's where I end. That's what I can do. And so understanding what I have control over helps me to know what I can accept and what I simply need to respect. And when I say respect... It's really understanding, if, if I love someone with a mental illness, 
then I do need to have some education and some awareness so that I respect the, the disease. I need to respect the, the disease so that I don't minimize it or I don't overemphasize it, that I have a healthy respect for it and realize what I actually can expect from this person so that I can have appropriate boundaries, so that I can hang in there and continue to love them as they endure an illness, a disease that they are having to fight. And so this helps me to be responsible for my own feelings, for my own actions and my own intentions. And it's about being aware and responsible for my own well-being, which is what the Samaritan did. He was very aware and very responsible for his own well-being. He knew that if his life got hijacked by the person that was injured, he couldn't really actually help him for any length of time. So we have to understand what resources we have and what resources we don't. So the resources that this Samaritan knew that he had was he could put him on a donkey, he could cover him up, and he could take him to an inn, and he could pay two days' wages. So let's, let's look at, if I'm to be a good neighbor, then I must have really, really good boundaries. So let's talk for a minute about boundaries. What do boundaries mean? And that is, I know where I end and you begin. This helps me to be able to endure uncomfortable things, frustrating things, disrespectful things, enraging things, whatever that may be, things that are sad, things that are hurtful, things that are bad. And so it helps me to know if I have good boundaries, it helps me to know what I actually can affect and what I have to accept. And if I'm willing to accept and, and the, the hard part is there are many times in, in, when we are in, in any type of counseling that we are doing that if there's a spouse, a partner, a loved one, a parent, friend, whatever it may be, a, a, a boss that is really trying to come alongside someone that's struggling with a mental illness and addiction, there may come a point where they have to decide, do I want to accept this? If the person is not engaged in their own mental illness, their own addiction, their own managing of it, their own working on it, trying to heal, get to a place of, of, of higher functioning, then there may be a point where that boundary says, I can't continue to move forward with you. So I need to love you at a farther distance. So how do I know if maybe some boundaries may be weak? What might that look like? Well, let's, let's think about this. If, I, if my boundaries are not weak and I don't really know where I end and you begin, I might feel really heavy laden, really overwhelmed and unappreciated. Because maybe my expectations are inappropriate. And so one of the ways I know, wow, I'm having some weaker boundaries, is I'm wanting to maybe be a little bit more controlling. I'm wanting this person to get better so that I can feel okay. I'm getting um, overly frustrated or I'm becoming judgmental because I'm needing them to be a certain way, change, heal faster, whatever it may be, so that my life feels better. So you also might feel weary, hopeless, wanting to quit, 
And many times that means I've engaged more than I should. So I'm now going into your arena of responsibility, and I didn't know where I ended and where you began. And so I'm feeling weary. I'm feeling hopeless about your condition. And I'm wanting to quit talking about it, working on it, thinking about it, quit the relationship, whatever it may be. So many times weak boundaries also cause me to be overcommitted in all areas of my life. I might be forgetful. I start letting other people down. And that means I'm having some weaker boundaries. And many times, if my boundaries are weak and I'm over-exceeding my own capacity, then I might start to doubt what God is doing. What is he really asking me to do? What's the directive? Is this my idea or is it God's idea? And so I will lose track of what God's telling me to do because I'm getting too outwardly focused and I'm wanting people, places, and things outside of me to change so that I can feel okay. If I have weak boundaries, I'm also going to get into some martyr-like thinking. And I may feel like a martyr, like no one cares that all of my labor is in vain. I might become apathetic, lethargic, angry, all this disappointment, all that type of stuff that means that, oh my gosh, I am now doing stuff God probably has not asked me to do. See, we see this story with a good Samaritan. He knew exactly where he ended and others began, and he knew his capacity. And so he was very able to bear that burden. And, and this is where we, I really talk to clients about this, and I have especially, uh, God really helped me with this years ago. When he r- reminded me, he said, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. So one of the ways that we know we're exceeding capacity or we're having weak boundaries when it comes to loving someone that is struggling is if I've taken on a burden that's not mine. Because the burden that God is going to give me regarding this person will be manageable. If I take on more than what God is asking me to take on, it will be unmanageable. And, and the yoke won't fit. It will be cumbersome. I'll feel like I can't move. I'll, I'll be struggling. I'll be like feeling like I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm in quicksand or I'm trying to, to walk through mud all the time. So this is one of the best ways to know if I'm taking on something that is not from God. Now, it may be a really good cause, maybe really good intentions. But if it's not really from God, you're not going to be able to manage it. And it will then corrupt you. The other, the other issue that happens when we have weak boundaries is I, ha- I do. I have difficulty hearing from God and trusting God. All of a sudden, I'm not sure if he is really helping or here or cares or knows what he's doing, right? Or is paying attention. And I start depending on my own strength, and I start to feel very, very alone. And so weak boundaries really are imperative in any relationship, because this is one of the things I do with any relationship counseling. I'm always talking about boundaries in order to be able to stay the course with a relationship and have realistic expectations. But when someone is struggling with a mental illness, 
any type of trauma, like they're going through any type of trauma therapy, they have post-traumatic stress syndrome or any of these types of things, it's imperative that we have good boundaries or we cannot stay the course. And we will become more a part of the problem than a part of the solution. And so a really, really big way to know your boundaries are weak is that you start avoiding the word no. We have a hard time saying no. You start protecting people from natural and logical consequences. And this is really one of those things that occurs with, with mental illness and when you're loving someone with mental illness is, is wanting to protect them from natural and logical consequences. This happens a lot with addictions. You know, we rescue people. We don't want them to feel the pain of the decisions that they're making. This happens many times with people that struggle with depression, with anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder. These types of things, we want to really protect them from their own consequences. And so it doesn't mean that we evoke consequences in, in their life or that we consequence them necessarily, unless they're children, right? But we want to make sure that we are not overly protecting them from a natural and logical consequence. So when we are being a good neighbor, we have good boundaries. And this Samaritan is a perfect example. So he knew he could stop. He knew he could care. He did not judge. He covered the man, didn't try to be the doctor, didn't try to be his employer, his banker, right? His father didn't try to be any of these things. He knew exactly who he was. He's a businessman that had a heart. And so he knew he had time enough in his day to put him on the donkey, take him to a hotel, pay for two days, and then he left. And he didn't even say when he'd come back. He just simply said, listen, if he racks up a bill, I'm coming back through at some point. I'll check in on him. So he was very capable of knowing his own capacity so that he could successfully do this. And Jesus said, go be that Samaritan. So being a good neighbor, right, to the people that we love. So we're in, coming to the end of today, and so we're going to end with this. If I'm going to be a good neighbor, then truly I must have good boundaries. And I'm going to leave you with these two Bible verses that really are, are helpful. And this is Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And that's really imperative that we understand that we do not become weary in well-doing. And if I don't have good boundaries, I will be weary. And the second one, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, it says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. This is where we get our sustenance. This is where we go. We get away with God. So again, I want you to really focus on those verses. We're going to start again tomorrow with more about how to be really truly a good Samaritan, actually 
help the one you love. Make sure you check out the website, CynthiaHyatt.com, all the social media that we have out there for you. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember... Be your own best version. Yeah.